Welcome back to the Cardinal Newman Society podcast. I am your host, Kevin Murphy. We are rejoining our conversation with our president and founder, Patrick Riley, in our discussion about a letter from Pope Benedict XVI written on January 21st of 2008. We are celebrating its 16th year anniversary in which Pope Benedict talked about the urgent task of educating young people. He even uses the phrase educational emergency. And as we embark on a new year in 2024, this letter is critically important because all of the things that Pope Benedict talked about have now manifest themselves in our culture. Young people need formation, and they need to be able to give their lives direction to discern good from evil about their health, not only their physical health, but their moral health. And he talks specifically in this document about the need to revitalize faithful Catholic education, where every person and every generation has to make their own decision anew. Not even the greatest of values of the past can simply be inherited. They have to be claimed and renewed through an often anguishing personal option. And Catholic education cannot simply be inherited. So I urge all Catholics, parents, grandparents, go to the Vatican website, download this small document. It's only three pages to print it out. Download the document. If you aspire to great Catholic education for your children, please read this document, and then we will be discussing this document the rest of today. If you didn't get a chance to, go back into the previous episode first, because we talk about the beginning of the letter and we take it chronologically and go all the way through. So with that, let's rejoin a conversation with Patrick Riley. Welcome back to the second installment with our founder and president, Patrick Riley, as we discuss this important document on the anniversary of Pope Benedict XVI's letter to the Diocese and City of Rome on the urgent task of educating young people. Originally penned, published, I should say, on January 21st of 2008, and we are reading it and going through it piece by piece unveiling the gems that are hidden within on this day, January 21st of 2024. Patrick, welcome back. Thank you, Kevin. It's great to deal with such a extremely important document and great figure in the church whose understanding of education is just such a great guide to to families and educators today. Yeah, you. you know, when you have something this small but this packed, I feel guilty saying well, let me let me let me expand on what Pope Benedict XVI <laughs> right. said. Right, uh, you don't want to do that because I mean, but it, when you when you look at this letter, only being a little over three pages, it's accessible to anybody. If you're a parent, I would just encourage you to go to the Vatican website and look this letter up and download it and read it. If you're a bishop or a priest and you're doing the same, if you are suddenly find yourself in charge of a parochial school that you haven't been before, or maybe you're an assistant pastor somewhere and you want to be able to understand the role of the Catholic school and what it should be, let's say you're a priest that's renewing your, your Catholic parochial school. 
Or let's say you're a homeschooler, right? I mean, that's a rising trend in in the Catholic world. We're getting more and more homeschoolers. This is as this is probably written as much for you as it is for anybody because we're talking about an authentic Catholic education and what it is. Part of our our promotion for the Cardinal Newman Society podcast is that we will help identify what a Catholic education is and what it is not. And I think Pope Benedict is doing quite the job here. So, Patrick, what I'd like to do is pick up where we left off in the letter the last time. If you'll if you remember, we ended up with the last phrase that we talked about was the fact that God does not abandon us, that his love reaches us wherever we are. And in order to offer us a new possibility of good, we can look at all the negatives that are going on. But again, I think this is the shift towards the positives. Dear brothers and sisters, to make my considerations more meaningful, it might be useful to identify several common requirements of an authentic education. It needs, first of all, that closeness and trust which are born from love. I'm thinking of the first and fundamental experience of love which children have, or at least should have, from their parents. Yet every true teacher knows that he is to educate. If he is to educate, he must give a part of himself. And that is only in this way that he can help his pupils overcome selfishness and become in their turn capable of of authentic love. So, Patrick, one of the phrases that jumped out to me is of an authentic education. Our first podcast, when I talked to you about the founding of the Cardinal Newman Society, we use a phrase at the Cardinal Newman Society where we say faithful Catholic education. And that's a phrase kind of loaded with meaning because we have an idea of what that means, And we, as you said, we've used the church documents to go back and be very specific about what faithful Catholic education is. But to the average person out there, they may not catch that, right? Right. Same thing here, an authentic education. What is Pope Francis getting at? What's the difference between an authentic education and education in a general sense? Yeah, so I would argue that an authentic education is is the same thing as a faithful catholic education i mean that would be the church's understanding of education newman's understanding of education if we understand the mission of education as we talked about last time if we understand the fundamental purpose of education as helping humans to form the faculties that god has given us in order to what in order to bring us into fuller communion with god so to cultivate our reason so we can better understand the world that he has given us and to see him and the, the things that are in creation, to cultivate our virtue so that we can better direct our behavior and our, our lives, our activity in a direction that brings us closer to God. If that is what education is all about, then an authentic education, the best education would be one that's faithfully Catholic. Why? Because through the church, we obtain the graces through the church. We we receive the truth right. that helps us to to move along that path. And so, yes, you can call education education if you're teaching someone anything. You can be ter- teaching them some how to 
rob a bank and that would be education <laughs> right is that a class <laughs> the, yeah, I, I took that one at my, at my say, jesuit university no. um but no an authentic education what he's talking about is one that's that's authentically human that's leading the human in the direction that education is supposed to lead them you know it is a phrase i think that's loaded with meaning authentic education and and you had mentioned several things in there you know a parent has to discern where to send their child so that they get that authentic education. But Patrick, in today's world, if they themselves have not been presented with it, how can a parent determine that what they're getting is or is not authentic? Well, again, it goes back to understanding the mission, which is what Pope Benedict says at the very beginning of this document that is fundamental to overcoming this educational emergency. If parents don't understand the purpose of education, right, today, it's, it's generally just assumed that your job as a parent is to make sure your kid goes to a school. Why? Right. Why are they wasting their day at a school? Why are they doing that and not something else? What, what's the reason? And if you ask most parents that, I think they would struggle with it. They would, you know, would come down to something like, well, they're going to have to do that to get a job. They need to learn these functional things. How are they going to get through life without knowing math and how to read? So it's a lot of these functional aspects, but not really having a, a strong, clear understanding of what the ultimate purpose is. If we start with the ultimate purpose, then the question is not, which place should I send my kid to? It's how do I as a parent make sure that my child is formed in virtue, reason, all of the faculties in order to to come to closer communion with God? And if I need help doing that, where do I get that help? Well, you get that from a school. You might get that from an, through an online source. You might get it through a variety of, of things. This is how the world of education is changing today for, for Catholic families who truly appreciate Catholic education is that they're saying they're starting with the mission. They're starting with what is the end that I'm trying to achieve here. And then they're looking at the available resources and programs that are, are there for them and whether that they truly achieve that end. See, and I think our culture, Patrick, presents the alternative, which is a general education, as you said most often geared toward them getting something in return, right? So how can I make the most amount of money? The Wall Street Journal just published their, their, their college findings and their college findings were specifically that. What college should you go to so that you can get your greatest ROI where I'm gonna make the most amount of money? And I think their conclusion was Princeton. Now, if that's totally different than if you go on the Cardinal Newman Society site and you search for authentically Catholic colleges, what are you going to get at those colleges that is also doing the things that help prepare you for something, but is a larger purpose and a larger mission? Right, right. And it's so important. I mean, if people just stopped and thought about, you know, say with, with the ROI measurement, Okay, there are always going to be certain jobs, certain careers, certain things in the world that where people make more money than other things. 
is every person that God has created called to that higher top income? And then if they don't achieve that, then in some way their education is somehow inferior because they didn't achieve that top paying career. It's such a distorted way of looking at someone's life. And yet, you know, obviously there, there are obviously reasons for the temptation to, to want that and to want your, your child, your you know, to be secure financially right. and, and healthy and to have all of those material goods. But, and, and certainly you want an education that will help someone to live in this culture and to be able to, to take care of themselves. That's part of, we're trying to teach them self in a broad sense, but the value of that next to living a fully human life and becoming closer to God and being the kind of people that we see, you know, we, we meet these people all the time, Right who just amaze us because they just seem to have it right. And they seem to be so close to God and they seem to be moving in such a, a wonderful direction. And, and ultimately that's what will really make me happy that, that my son or daughter is As on that path. That fulfillment. Yes, right. that's right. It says in a, in a small child, there's already a strong desire to know and to understand, which is expressed in his stream of questions and constant demand for explanations. This is any grandparent out there that has a grandchild will know exactly what Pope Benedict is saying, you know, where the kids are constantly asking, why, what, why, what are we doing? What, you know, constantly shooting questions at you. And that's because of their inquisitive mind. He says, therefore, an education would be most impoverished if it were limited to providing notions and information and neglected the important question about the truth, especially that truth, which can be a guide in life. That's right. And this is one of my, my favorite things. You know, you look, everybody knows the John chapter 14, verse six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But you know, it's always, it, I remember I had a, this conversation with a young lady and she asked me that question, well, then what is truth? And I thought, wow, this sounds like pilot, you know? Jesus founded a, a church, and in the scriptures, the, the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. That's right. And I think what of I that and think and what that I is where I think we miss, because I went to a Catholic school, from the but no one ever told me Jesus to founded a church, a Catholic and no one ever on told me that that church come, was a pillar and foundation of and truth. And so when you go out and you say you need to go discover these things, that's important, right? But without what you're saying, Patrick, without what Pope Benedict is saying, Without that truth, stronger, you know, and I think it also says it in the document on from Pope John Paul II on colleges. What's the name of the document? Ex corde ecclesia. And he says to be in pursuit of the truth while already knowing the fountain. Right, right. And again, if you go back to the mission of education, even if you take. A somewhat more secular view of education that, but, but a, a wholesome view of education. You think of the classical movement today, right? Where there's this sense of, okay, I don't just want my son or daughter to be getting a great career. I want them to be formed. I want them to learn, to be a good intellect. I want them to learn culture and to study the great works and all of that. Even in that sense, if you want to form your young person in truth. You want to form them in the ability to reason. You want to form them in virtue. And you put them in an institution that 
by its very definition, rejects the fundamental truths of who we are, who created us, why we were created, what our purpose in life is, why we exist. And you say, all right, all of that's off the table. Mm. We're going to learn math. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to read fables. We're going to learn that kind of a so-called classical education is just as impoverished, in my view, as an education that's focused on becoming a useful citizen or a useful worker. Yeah, that's beautifully said, Patrick. That is... That's the contrast I think people need to hear because it can be passed off as the right way, right? To go to that. I mean, every great thing has its terrible reproduction, right? The greatest things have the terrible reproduction. And this is Catholic education has terrible reproduction in public education and becoming worse every day and exposed every day. Right, right. And so- If you're going to have your child form, the first thing you need to do is make sure they're doing it in an environment that's trying to lead them to truth. And and the most important truth, the most fundamental truth, not just the the incidental truths that help us to be functional in certain ways in our society. That's, That's such a sad limitation that we put on young people by telling them we we refuse and we outright reject the things that are most important to you living a human life but we're going to give you this really good education right, right. And, and and it and it sells it sure does right because uh, you know people see that everything builds on itself right so you get that great so-called education that great secular education that helps you to excel and become you know great at math great at football yeah, yeah. great at whatever it is and then it's honored and respected by the next level of institution the colleges want you you know you don't even have to learn reason you just have to be a good lacrosse player and we're going to give you a full scholarship and you're going to come here and then you're going to go on into life and you're going to be hired by this firm and we're going to give you a certain work to do and we're going to put you in a corner and you're going to get a, a good living and and none of those things are are bad those are all goods in themselves but when you when you reach for those and you neglect the most important goods yeah. the things that are most fundamental to life that's that's an impoverishment even when you think that you're wealthy and doing very well you're you're impoverished and you know you hear that so much i mean the 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 thing that they're presenting is a solution and as you said and gets rewarded by our society and i i find it interesting you you said something about like a sport because i mean you think about today all you have to do is open up any paper any in of course we're not even open papers anymore check on your phone and see the contracts that these people are signing now you can say, well, I really want my kid to be the next baseball star because so they can sign a 10-year, $100 million contract, right? But we've seen over and over how those people are tremendously unhappy after gaining the whole world and losing their soul in the midst, right? Right, if, if that's what happens. And so I just, I do want to be clear that, that athletics can be a means toward Growing closer to God, growing in virtue. Grow, I mean, there's there's so many good things that can be done if the mission of the education is directed in the right way, and if the 
the fundamental truths of life and morality and and what's good for the person are not not excluded right same frankly with becoming you know the outstanding student who's the best math student or the best literature student or whatever it is all of those can be wonderful things if through that learning we're coming to a, a greater appreciation of human life, a society, a culture, of what God wants from us, of of human nature. You know, all of those things can be very, very valuable if that's what's happening. If, yeah, but unfortunately, very often it's just a means to another step and it's a means to recognition. Yeah. I'm I'm a great I do math very well. And now I can be very functional and useful to a company. That in itself has value, but nowhere near the value of growing closer to God and and a fuller understanding of who you are and what your purpose is. We're going to take a short break. In the meantime, listen to our friend, William Fierfelder, president of Belmont Abbey College. Well, the Newman guy has just been tremendous for us. Uh, the relationships that we form with families and students over the years, and uh, many many families are homeschooling, you know, families, and so the Newman Guide is very important to them because it's a way for them to identify schools that are authentically and faithfully Catholic institutions, and uh, so that helps them narrow it down. So we have every year we have many students come to us who have come because of the Newman Guide. It's it's a little bit for them a, a stamp of approval, if you will, that. You know, they can be assured that it's a faithful place for them to come and be part of. So Pope Benedict goes on and says, suffering is also a part of the truth of our life. So by seeking to shield the youngest from every difficulty and experience of suffering, we risk raising brittle and ungenerous people, despite our good intentions. Indeed, the capacity for loving corresponds to the capacity for suffering and for suffering together. Now, of all the stuff, that's probably going to be everybody's least favorite. Part. Nobody wants to talk about suffering, and nobody wants to talk about suffering individually or as a group, mm-hmm. right? But what he's, what he's saying here is not only did he talk about the sacrificial love that has to be present in order to get an authentic education because the teacher gives of themselves in a sacrificial way. But now suffering, where in today's world, all suffering in our mind is bad and we need to shield our kids from suffering. Yes, and I would even argue there is a strong movement within the church to identify education with a means of helping to eliminate suffering, right? As a means of alleviating poverty, as a means of helping people to rise up in society. And certainly it does that. A good education should do that, right? You should be more capable, more human, more able to do the things that that God provides us in this world. But to to relegate education to a social movement program, or, or as an opportunity to write injustices, right? So there's a lot of that also, this, this idea that we need to convert our public schools into some way of writing injustices that have happened in the past, however they're perceived by, by different groups. That is very wrong. That is, that is subjecting or subverting education to something as a tool for something that it was not intended to be. It, it becomes a political tool. It becomes a social movement tool. And 
in doing so, you end up neglecting the most important aspects of education. And so we, we see that a lot in, in Catholic schools and, and in movements, you know, across the church that, and I, I think you even see that a little bit in some of what's coming out of the Vatican now mm. of this tendency to, to not go back to the mission, to not go back to what is the fundamental purpose of education? What are we trying to do here? And, and using it in a way that it, it really is not intended for. Uh, we thus arrived, dear friends of Rome, at what is perhaps the most delicate point in the task of education, finding the right balance between freedom and discipline. If no standard or behavior and rule of life is applied, even in small daily matters, the character is not formed and the person will not be ready to face the trials that will come in the future. The educational relationship, however, is first of all, the encounter of two kinds of freedom and successful education means teaching the correct use of that freedom. As the child gradually grows up, he becomes an adolescent and then a young person. We must therefore accept the risk of freedom and be constantly attentive in order to help him to correct wrong ideas and choices. However, what we must never do is to support him when he errs, to pretend that we do not see the errors or worse, that we share them as if they were the new boundaries of human progress. When Harry became South. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what we're facing today. And of course, he had no idea. 16 years ago, he, this wasn't even on the radar. Right. And I mean, if I was to read that again, and I mean, however, what we must never do is to support him when he errs, to pretend we do not see the errors or worse, that we share them as if they were the new boundaries of human progress. That's right. I mean, Patrick, you can't get any more prophetic in this sense because what has ha- what he is saying, I mean, we've seen it in our day where you can't criticize or call into question anybody about that. In fact, it's now that you weren't born a male or a female. This is the expanded new level of, of humanity. Right. Right. And, and not only are we prevented, I mean, to some extent, this is a, it's a political thing. It's a power thing. It's, you know, you're prevented from speaking the truth, even though you know it. The, the, what I find even the greater danger within Catholic education is this, where there's a, a genuine belief that as Christians, the right way to love young people is to embrace their error, not not even just to to you know to be silent and not to call it out. It's to embrace it. It's to to help them live it and hope that at some point they might might see something different. And and what I would argue is what's happening instead is that everyone around them is being taught that the error actually is is truth it's 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 so much against the very mission of catholic education so again if you go back to the purpose of why we're there you can't possibly do this and achieve what catholic education is supposed to achieve and yet so many of our catholic schools so many of our dioceses are flirting with this idea of saying well you know if you say you're a different gender or or it's that's not the only ideology that we're faced with. But I had I had a priest that told me that this is a true story that he had somebody that identified as a cat, and that they set up a litter box 
for this individual in the school. Now, this is the exact opposite of what Pope Benedict just Pope Benedict XVI just said we must never do is to support him when he errs to pretend we do not see the errors or worse that we share them as if they were the new boundaries of human progress right right and obviously there are ways to do that appropriately the truth can be harsh or presented harshly truth itself is never harsh and that's the distinction we need to make we need to always find ways to do it compassionately we need to find ways to welcome people who are influenced by the errors of our culture and to still find ways to welcome them into our schools without compromising our mission, sometimes that's not possible. And if it's not possible, then we have to make the hard decisions. But to the extent that we can bring people out of this culture and teach them the truth, then all the more valuable our education is. And so obviously we have to to make every effort to do that. He goes on, education cannot therefore dispense with that authoritativeness, which makes the exercise of authority possible. It is the fruit of experience and competence, but is acquired above all with the coherence of one's own life and personal involvement and expression of true love. The educator is thus a witness of truth and goodness. He too, of course, is fragile and can be mistaken, but he will constantly endeavor to be in tune with his mission. Once again, we hear this, Patrick, throughout this entire letter about the idea of capturing the mission and the mission for each person, I think, that is involved in education, the teacher, the administrator, the parent, the student. He says this over and over. Dear faithful of Rome, from these simple observations, it becomes clear that in education, a sense of responsibility is crucial. The responsibility of the educator, of course, but also As he grows up, the responsibility of the child, the student, the young person who enters the world of work, thus, or I should say, those who can measure up to themselves and to others are responsible. Those who believe seek further indeed, they seek to respond to God who loved them first. Yeah, that's that's, that's so very, very important, just the the whole I mean, this is something that we've been dealing with for basically since the 1960s, this understanding of freedom and responsibility and that the two go hand in hand and that there really is no true freedom that's, that is separated from responsibility. And so our young people need to learn that constantly. We have to reinforce that by example, right? One of the things we wrestle with because the Cardinal Newman Society, we deal with college education, we deal with K-12 education, is this idea that somehow, oh, this is college level. These are young adults and therefore we we can't be, you know, the, the, the word usually used is imposing, right? A sense of, of correctness and, and morality upon these young adults because they need to be able to freely make decisions. In one sense, that ought to be a concern at any age, right? The two-year-old ought to not be uh, treated as a robot that we control every little step uh, that they take. We're constantly trying to give them the freedom and teach them the ability to use their freedom in a responsible way. It doesn't change for young adults. And Catholic education, of all places, should understand that. We, there's, there's something that we do as Catholics, and I think, this runs across probably evangelical institutions as well. And we, we put such a high 
expectation on young people, especially young adults. We expect them to behave perfectly. We expect them to have the the full maturity and the full virtue and the full ability to basically act perfectly. And when they don't, we really get it. We get that, right? And so the whole, <laughs> you know, this whole cancel culture and all these other things, we we're we're vicious when we go after people. And then we say, well, however, in terms of our you know, cultivate developing the circumstances, developing the environment and everything, we're going to allow just complete freedom, as we call it. And we're not going to say we're not willing to say that the bedroom ought to be private and that you know a girl really shouldn't be in a guy's bedroom. We're not going to do that because we want them to have the utmost freedom to make the decisions that they're going to make. And we're not going to really, we don't want to police things. And so we're not really going, we're going to say that there's a rule against alcohol or drugs. And if you're caught with it, you're out. But we're not going to make any effort really to police it. And so we're not going to really help these young people to develop the virtue and develop the habits that they need to have. We're not willing to set up the circumstances and the situations that, that, you know, we used to talk about the near occasion of sin, right? And how dangerous it is to come close to sin. And yet today we seem to invite young people, especially young adults, come as close as you can, but don't you dare do it. Well, and even then I think it's almost like, well, you know, come as close as you can. Oh, and if you do it, you know, okay. You know, I mean, it's okay. Cause God loves you. Right. And you know, there is the balance in there. And this is what I think exactly what Pope Benedict is saying. The, uh, the balance of authoritativeness and correctness, right. And giving them their, their ability to make those decisions, but also giving them the boundaries to say exactly what's right and what's wrong. Well, if you don't do that, then Patrick, anything becomes potentially okay, right? I mean, murder. Well, you know, we'd prefer you not to murder, but if you murder a guy, you know, it's going to be, we'll, we'll figure out a way around it. You know I mean? It's right. just, it's that kind of stuff that over and over just tears down the walls to what is correct behavior, I think. Right, right. And so we always have to hold young people to responsibility. That's that we need to teach them that yeah, understanding of, of the consequences of, of freedom. So he goes on exactly as you're saying. Responsibility is in the first place personal, but there is also responsibility which we share as citizens of the same city and of one nation as members of the human family. And if we are believers as children of the one God and members of the church. Indeed, ideas, lifestyles, laws, and the orientations in general of society in which we live and the image it has of itself through the mass media exercise a great influence on the formation of the new generation for good, but also often for evil. However, society is not an abstraction. In the end, we are ourselves all together with the orientations, rules, and representatives we give one another, although the roles and responsibilities of each person are different. Thus, the contribution of each one of us, of each person, family or social group, is necessary if society, starting with our own city of Rome, is to become a more favorable context for education. And to me, again, that phrase, the context for education, is, is loaded with meaning mm -hmm. because there are so many things that give context to education like think patrick for me what is the context 
for faithful Catholic education. Right. And, and if, again, if we go to the mission of Catholic education, then what would be the right context, right? Do you, do you put someone, do you say, and I've heard this many times, families, good Catholic families say, you know what? I want my young person to be strong in the faith. Therefore, I want them to go into a very secular, hostile situation where they have to defend the faith. Right. And I think, okay, there there will be a certain virtue developed in being in those kinds of circumstances, and hopefully they were formed well enough before that. But what you are choosing is not to put them into education. The context for education is to cultivate those things and to cultivate it in truth. And so you have to be surrounded in an environment where people actually live and witness to the truth and help you to to know what that is. And so for for a young person or you know and again an adult in these circumstances to grow, to be educated, to be formed, they can't be in a purely hostile situation and and sadly increasingly our our most of our secular institutions, both private and public, are becoming that to where they're wholly hostile to you know basic understandings of increasingly what a human so is. right increasingly so. I mean, every day, all you have to do is look at the things that they're saying. As you said earlier, no, we don't want any part of that. That won't make it into our our curriculum, so to speak. That we don't want any part of that. Take all that out. You know, the other thing about this, Patrick, as a person who grew up playing sports, I always remembered when. When we talk about the context of education, the teacher witness is is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. The priest witness is incredibly important. The priest doesn't have to be a teacher. But I remember being in Catholic schools and when they said Father Hart or Father Pilsel, they're coming down the hallway. My gosh, suddenly everybody was on their best behavior, right? Here right. comes the priest. I don't know what would happen today. Right, right. And. One of the things I love about this paragraph also is he's talking about the witness of people outside of education, right? The people in society. And we always think of education in terms of forming, preparing young people in order to go out into the world and to do certain things. Here he's talking about the people in the world and their impact on the formation of the young people and the importance of their witness to showing how important it is to cultivate reason and virtue and faith and and all of these things in the real world and and unfortunately we don't have a lot of great role models for that that when young people look at business leaders yeah. are do, how many great virtuous business leaders do they know at least certainly ones that are highlighted in the media or that they might be aware of difficult to see the sports world we see a few of them they tend to be mocked Right, if they're if they're virtuous and Christian and pro life, certainly we see that in entertainment, and so it does make it difficult. But at least when they do see at least some of these these role models, it helps them to realize the value of their own education. Yeah, that context is important. So this is the last paragraph we're at, Patrick. It's it's lastly, I would like to offer you a thought, which I developed in my recent encyclical Space Salvi on Christian hope, the soul of education, as of the whole of life, can only be a dependable hope. Today, our hope is threatened on many sides, and we even risk becoming like the ancient pagans, people 
quote, having no hope in without God in the world, end quote, as the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2. What may be the deepest difficulty for a true educational endeavor consists precisely in this, the fact that at the root of the crisis of education lies a crisis of trust in life. I cannot finish this letter, therefore, without a warm invitation to place our hope in God. He alone is the hope that withstands every disappointment. His love alone cannot be destroyed by death. His justice and mercy alone can heal injustices and recompense the suffering experienced. Hope that is addressed to God is never hope for oneself alone. It is always also hope for others. It does not isolate us, but renders us supportive in goodness and encourages us to educate one another in truth and in love. I express my affection for you and assure you of my special remembrance and prayer as I impart my blessing to you all. And we ask for Pope Benedict to pray for us today as we take these words from this letter and try to make other people see the beauty of faithful Catholic education and not to accept the frauds that are out there that are trying to present themselves as an authentic education. That's right. So, Patrick, thank you for your time on this wonderful letter on the anniversary. 16 years after the writing of Pope Benedict, it couldn't be, I think, more prophetic. Some of the things he says, and you think about what has transpired and how they've come about today, the assault is probably more severe on faithful Catholic education than at any time, or at least in my lifetime, let's say. You know, if you look back over the history, I'm sure there were times other people thought the exact same thing. Yeah. But but it is it is it is troubling and I want parents to know this letter I think is something they could go and check out and just internalize a bit. I think so. And I and I would also add that as as great as the threat is to Catholic education, there's that that great hope that he talks about there at the end when we see the great renewal of education that's happening right now and it's exciting and it's real and there are as he said many many people calling for it. And the church is responding, sometimes slower than we hoped, but in, in many places, some just great, wonderful things are happening, and it's it's very exciting to be a part of it. It is. Patrick, are you going to come back and join us again in the not-too-distant future? I would love to do that. All right. Thank you again for your time. God bless. Thank you, Kevin. If you'd like to learn more about how you can help promote and defend faithful Catholic education, go to cardinalnewmansociety.org. Also, if you're interested in promoting and defending faithful Catholic education wherever it is found, subscribe to the Cardinal Newman Society podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.